Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Demimond Paranormal Podcast. So if you guys recognize the background music for tonight's episode, I was looking for spooky music um, to play for, you know, just background music while I ramble and introduce myself and tell you guys what the episode is going to be about this week. If it sounds familiar to any of y'all, any of you guys that are hard rockers, to me it sounds like, sounds like Ramstein or something, but it's done, you know, acapella with a group, with a choir. I'm pretty sure. Oh, it is. I didn't know that they used that for the movie Possession, but but I guess so. But this, in all, in all, though, y'all, this song is actually kind of fitting for tonight's episode. Um, tonight we are going to be talking about the very, very spooky and terrifying, actual, actually, this is the case of the real Emily Rose. This is the story of Annalisa Michelle. And right before we get into all that terrifying stuff, I want to take a couple minutes and tell any of our new listeners who they're listening to and what my intentions are. <laughs> um, I'm Tori from Demimond Paranormal Podcast. I'm the host of these podcasts that come out new every Friday. We talk about anything paranormal, strange, or interesting with the hint of the dark side <laughs> but usually it's anything paranormal from vampires to ghosts to witches to werewolves anything paranormal and just before we get started on tonight's topic I just want to say thanks for listening to me ramble about ghosts and demonic possessions each and every week Thanks to everybody who listens to Demimond Paranormal Podcast from all around the world. And if you guys want to join us on Facebook.com, we can be found with the same name that you see here on Anchor or whatever podcast listening plot platform you are currently using. It's spelled the same way you see there. Just, you know, enter into the search bar on Facebook.com and we should come up. And you just have to answer one question upon entry. And we'll be happy to allow you to join our little paranormal family. So with that being said, let's dive right into the true story of Emily Rose, a.k.a. Annalisa Michelle.
Hello everybody and welcome. Now, you guys may have heard of this story or seen it circulating online. The true story of Annalise Michelle or this is the story that was the inspiration for the movie The Exorcism of Emily Rose. And you may have seen this story circulating, like I said, online, you know, either on YouTube or on Facebook or anywhere that, you know, kind of covers the dark and the paranormal. And if you're anything like me, you might have been too much of a little, a little baby to click on it. And some people do have, you know, the recordings of the actual possession, you know, available for people to listen to and kind of make up their own mind. Do you believe that she was possessed or do you believe that she was mentally ill? But if you're anything like me, you've always been a little bit afraid to listen to the recordings of these supposed um, exorcisms. But before we get into all that, I want to take you guys to a little bit of her early life. And I couldn't find a whole lot on Annalisa's early life, but this is what I did find. Now, Annalisa translates in German to Anna Elizabeth Michelle, and she was born on the 21st of September in 1952 in Bavaria, East Germany. Now, there are three films altogether, so far at least, that I have listed that were inspired by her case over the years. And the, one of the first ones is, as we mentioned, The Exorcism of Emily Rose, which came out in 2005. There was another film called Requiem, in, which came out in 2006. And a 2011 film called Annalise, The Exorcism Tapes. So, in the 1960s, Annalisa grew up a devout, a very devout Catholic, and she went to Mass twice a week. When she was about 16, she suddenly blacked out in the middle of a school day and began walking around in a kind of a dazed state. Now, Annalisa did not remember any of this. She didn't remember the blackout, and she didn't remember being in a dazed-like, you know, state of mind. But her friends and family sure did. They said that she was in sort of a trance-like state. But only about one year later, at the age of 17, she experienced waking up in a trance-like state again. She was drenched in her own sweat, and she had soaked her own bed. She wet her own bed as well, 
She had went through a series of convulsions, which caused her body to make shaking, make her, her body shake uncontrollably. So what's causing all this, you might ask? Well, after the second case of a trance-like state experienced by Annalise, she decided to visit a neurologist who had diagnosed her with epilepsy, actually temporal lobe epilepsy, and this disease, now listen to this y'all, this disease causes seizures, it causes um, loss of memory, it also causes audible and visual hallucinations. It also causes what is known as chest wind syndrome, which is a disorder that is marked by hyper-religiosity. In 1973, she began taking medication for her epilepsy, and she also enrolled at the University at Würzburg. Sadly, however, these drugs that she was taking failed to help her. As the years progressed, as the year progressed, her condition deteriorated. Though she did continue to take the medication, it was around this time that she believed that she was being possessed by a demon. And she also believed that she needed to find help from somewhere else outside of the world of medicine. She also began to see the face of the devil everywhere she went, and she heard whisperings of demons in her ears. She heard the demons tell her that she was damned and she would rot in hell while she was praying. Now, it was after this incident that she decided that she was now actually possessed by the devil, Satan himself. Initially, Annalisa sought out priests to help her with her possession, but all of the clergy had rejected her case. They all told her that she needed to seek medical help, medical treatment. 
and they also needed the permission of a bishop to perform an exorcism on her, which they didn't have. Now, at this point, Annalisa's symptoms increased dramatically. During this time, Annalisa would rip all of her clothes off of her body. She would also compulsively perform up to 400 squats a day. She also crawled underneath a table and barked like a dog for two whole days. She ate spiders and she ate coals. She also bit the head off of a dead bird. She even licked her own urine off the floor. And finally, her mother found a priest willing to help her daughter. Ernest Alt believed her possession. And to quote Ernest Alt, he said, She didn't look like an epileptic. Now that was recalled in a court document by Ernest Alt. But we'll get into a little bit into the court proceedings later. In a letter that Annalisa wrote to Ernest, she stated, and I quote Annalisa when I say this, I am nothing. Everything about me is vanity. What should I do? I have to improve. You pray for me. End quote. She also told him, I want to suffer for other people. But this is so cruel. End quote. It was Alt who petitioned the local bishop, Bishop Joseph Stengel, who was eventually approved to who was a, who now it was him who eventually approved the request to perform a exorcism but he had the exorcism be carried out in total secrecy Now, over the next 10 months, Annalisa would undergo 67 exorcisms conducted by Alt and Renz, two priests. These exorcisms would last up to four hours. Though these sessions, through these sessions, Annalisa would reveal that she believed that she was possessed by six demons.
These demons were Lucifer, Judas, Adolf Hitler, Nero, and Fleischmann. Just to name a few. All of these spirits would fight and jostle over the power of Annalise's body, and they would communicate through Annalise's mouth with a low growl. These demons apparently argued with each other during the exorcisms slash sessions. Even Hitler said that, to quote what he apparently said, people are stupid as pigs. They think it's all over after death. It goes on. To that, Judas responded by saying, Hitler was nothing in hell, and he was a big mouth. He was nothing, and he had no real say in hell. And also, during these possessions, these sessions or exorcisms or whatever you want to call them, Annalisa would talk about dying to atone for the wayward youth of the day. She would also apologize for the apostate priests of the modern church. Now, during this time of her possessions and during the time of the exorcisms as well, she would even break her own bones. She ripped the tendons in her knees. And she did this by continuously and continually kneeling on her knees to pray. She would pray and pray and pray no matter, you know, the pain of having torn tendons in her knees and broken bones. During the 10 months that these 67 exorcisms were conducted, Annalisa stopped eating and drinking altogether. She just abruptly stopped. I mean, it was just like a slow train. You just, you know, just grinded to a halt. Just slowly, just bloop, just stopped eating completely altogether. She did eventually die of malnutrition and dehydration. She died on the 21st of July in 1976 at only 23 years of age. After her death, the story of a young woman possession became a media frenzy when the parents of Annalisa and the two priests involved in the exorcisms were charged with ne negligent homicide. During their hearing, they brought in a tape recorder. Now, this was this tape recorder had the supposed arguments of demons that were residing in, in Elisa. And they brought these this tape recorder in to, you know, to prove their case, basically. 
and say, look, she really was possessed. How can you explain those voices? They were all found guilty. The two priests and Annalise's parents were they were all found guilty. Now the two priests were found guilty of manslaughter and charged with six months in jail, but that was later reduced to three years probation. Now the six months in jail was, you know, suspended, so because of that now they only got three years of probation. Annalise's parents were exempted from all punishment as they had suffered enough, which is a criteria in sentencing in Germany, in the German law. So, at the time of her death, she, Annalisa, she only weighed 68 pounds, and she had also contracted pneumonia as well. Her parents asked her they asked for her remains to be exhumed from the burial site for Oh for reasoning sorry I couldn't read my own handwriting um for reasoning they gave her a cheap coffin you know, because they buried her in such a hurry after her death. But they gave her a cheap coffin that she was buried in. And they wanted to, you know, dig her back up again and give her, you know, a more proper burial. On the 25th of February in 1978, her remains were placed into an oak coffin with a tin lining. And according to the authorities, Annalise's decomposition was consistent. The priests who were involved with the exorcisms who were accused of manslaughter were not permitted to see the remains.
Arnold Renz, one of the priests who did conducted the exorcisms, was, prohib was prohibited from entering the mortuary. Her grave to this day remains a pilgrimage site. On the 6th of June in 2013, a fire broke out in the house where Annalisa lived and went through all of those 67 exorcisms. The fire itself was ruled in as an arson. Somebody set the house on fire deliberately. Now it was ruled out as arson officially, but some locals believe that the fire can be attributed to the demonic possession and the exorcisms that were held once in that house so many years ago. Also, Ernest Alt apparently said to Annalisa during one of the exorcisms, and I quote him when I say, There is no injection against the devil, Annalisa. That's just something that I wanted to mention in, you know, the podcast. It makes you think about both sides of the argument. You just want to think to yourself, well, with that quote... It kind of makes you think maybe he knew that she wasn't mentally all there. Because why say there is no injection against the devil? I don't know. Very strange. What do you guys think about that? And like I said before, y'all, during their trial, the priest, um, the priest and Annalise's parents brought in a tape recorder, and the tape recorder had apparently recorded the voices of demons arguing and asserting their claim over Annalise's soul. They brought that in as proof. Now, as everybody knows, you can't really expect, you know, a court of law to. You, allow the defense of demons and demonic possession as a, you know, a tangible 
or a fact in the court of law. I can't really expect people to believe in something they can't see. Also, Annalisa is buried in the Klingenmenberg Cemetery in Klingenberg, Saxony, Germany. So, if you guys ever want to visit there and see Annalisa Michelle's grave, just travel there, the Klingenberg Cemetery. So, right before we sign off for tonight, um, I just want to talk to you guys about something real quick. Um, during the production that of the exorcism of Emily Rose, I knew that there was a few strange and unexplained things that happened on the set. For instance, I knew that, now I just learned this just a little while ago while I was, you know, watching a film because I was doing the research, the research for it and I thought, well, you know what, let's watch the movie and compare, you know, fiction against fact, movie against real life. And I was watching it on Amazon Prime, I think, and oh my god, y'all, tell me if, like, there's certain movies, you know, and we did do a podcast about, like, cursed films and haunted films. It's all the way in the first season of Demi Monte Paranormal. But, and I'm not sure if I talked about the exorcism of Emily Rose, but I'm going to tell you guys something that I learned. Okay, so, if you guys know who the actress Laura Linney is, she played the lawyer or yeah the lawyer Aaron Bruner and she said that during the production of the film wherever she was staying I'm not sure she was staying in a hotel or she was in a house or something it was probably a hotel or somewhere but she said that in the middle of the night that her TV would just randomly turn on and off Just unexplainably. And also during production, the girl who was well, the, the lady who played Emily Rose, whose name is Jennifer Carpenter, she said that during production, and I think she did say that she was staying in a hotel at the time, but she had a radio in her room. And she said that her radio would turn on and off, you know, unexplainably. But what would happen was. It would play a Pearl Jam song. Now, you guys know who Pearl Jam is. It's a 90s grunge band. And it would play a song called Alive. But it would only play, like, a certain part of the song. And it would go something like, you know, I'm still alive. I'm still alive, like, over and over again. You guys are going to have to look that up to get, you know, the full creepiness of that story. But, yeah, 
I remember reading about that a few couple years ago, and I thought, oh my god, that is absolutely terrifying. It just makes you think, why are some movies affected, like, supernaturally, and then some aren't? Very strange. So, final thoughts for tonight's episode. You know, I can't say for sure whether I believe that she was demonically possessed or or if I think it was something to do with schizophrenia or temporal lobe epilepsy. I honestly don't know. But what I am thinking is, how do we know for sure that it wasn't one thing masquerading as another? Perhaps she was epileptic, but maybe in her weakened state of mind and weakened body. Who's to say for sure that something didn't corrupt, you know what I'm saying, corrupt herself? Her, I should say. I guess we'll never know exactly for sure. Kind of makes you think, though, is anybody safe? I mean, she was devoutly Catholic. Maybe you're just, I don't know. I don't even want to say what my mind's thinking right now. But, the story's frightening. It is terrifying either way. Either medically or spiritually. Man, but let me know what you guys think down in the comments when I post this episode. And, okay, so, just, is there anything else I want to add? Um, let me think before we do, I don't think there is. At least nothing's coming to my mind right now. Alright y'all, thanks for listening for to tonight's episode, and there's a significant reason why I'm playing Pearl Jam right now, if you guys were <laughs> paying attention. Anyway, 
I never thought that I would kind of get a little bit of an eerie vibe from Pearl Jam. But anyway, I just want to thank you guys for listening um, to tonight's episode. I hope you liked it. I hope you, you know, got kind of spooked or, you know, in a fun way, in an intriguing way. I hope it was entertaining. I hope it was, you know, presented well enough that you could take it seriously, consider it for both sides. You know, in the court of law, medically and spiritually. Um, what else did I... Oh, I hope you guys join me for uh, next week's episode every Friday. At least every Friday, usually. Um, we're doing these Salem Witch Trials. I just realized, y'all, that I didn't do anything for the, you know, the memory in remembrance of the first day that started the Salem Witch Trials in 1692, which was March 1st. So, this week coming up, we're going to do a podcast on the Salem Witch Trials, and we're going to learn all about that. Now, that has always been an area of, you know, interest for me, and I hope it is for you guys, too. So, I'm excited to do that one. Um, yeah, so thank you guys for joining me tonight, and I hope you guys, you know, join me again next Friday. It should be a lot of fun, and, you know, without any further ado, and remember guys, I'm Tori from Demi Mont Paranormal, and I'll see you guys next week for more spooktacular fun. Good night. Sweet dreams, make good choices, and be kind to one another. And that's it. Over and out.